Let's go, girls. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on, to share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way. It's all about women supporting women. The stories and practical tips on sex, beauty, money, and so much more are designed to help you reconnect to the powerful woman you are. Fabulous knows no limits. Now it's time for you to expand your boundaries. Here are Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Linda Franklin and this is Powered Up Talk Radio and we have a great guest today in Wendy Dodson. She's going to talk about midwives from Haiti and starting her midnight business and having a successful one at that. And then we're going to round out the hour with talking to our intimacy expert and he is going to give us segment three on our better intimacy for 2014 with our partners. But before we get to our guests, I'd like to go to my favorite co-host, Linda Franklin. And Linda, you are a winner, and you're a winner in my book, whether you win something or not. But you were so excited today about winning something. So tell me, what did you win? Well, it was last week. Um, we I went to a luncheon at the Wings Club, and um, it was a great lunch at the Yale Club. And it's, it, it, this is everybody from the aviation area. And... Um, they had a raffle of a door prize, and the door prize was um, two first-class tickets. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm hearing such a bad echo that I really can't focus. Okay, okay. You work on fixing your echo. I think you need to mute your Skype. Uh, but I'm going to pick up where you left along because you won two first-class tickets on Alaska Airlines, which is so exciting because that just opens up a, a literal world of possibilities of places you can go. And I know, Linda, you know we can afford to buy our own plane tickets even though it's not fun to buy the plane tickets. But when you get something free, it's so exciting because it's like a double treat. You know, you you get to truly just get on the plane and enjoy it and go anywhere Alaska Airlines flies. That's right. And um, so they fly to California. They, they fly to um, Alaska. They fly to Hawaii. So I've got a lot of choices to make. But it, it, the craziest thing is um, that... Everybody put in their business cards, and um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just having so much trouble because I'm just hearing myself echo back. You know what, Linda? We're gonna have uh, we're gonna have the studio hang up and call you back, and uh, I'm gonna keep talking to fill the airtime. Okay, please, people, please. <laughs> people can't wait to hear what I have to say this week. Um, actually, yeah. I do have a great story this week, uh, and it's so exciting for me because uh, we. Uh, I've been working with my dad now for five months, and he lives with me half the year, and my dad is 80 years old. And when my dad came from New York to stay with me, he was overweight, 
He was gray-skinned, he had no energy, and his skin cancer had caused a lot of peeling on his face and his arms. And uh, me being me, of course, you know, took charge of things, and... um, and I, I changed his nutrition. I pulled him off of meats except for 30% of protein coming from his day. Many times it's from plant protein or tofu or protein powder. I also ramped up his vegetable intake so that he gets either fruits or vegetables. Uh, three quarters of his uh, meal is comprised of fruits and vegetables. His desserts are fruit. His snacks are fruit. Uh, and the remaining uh, things that he eats, he can snack on celery and carrots and radishes and cauliflower and thankfully I am uh, I am a local to a lot of California growers so I can pick up you know beautiful produce for for free well five months into this <laughs> I kid you not Linda and and everybody listening I went to the park yesterday where I take my dad and he walks a mile so I look over at him and I see him jogging and <laughs> I couldn't believe my eyes. At first, I'm like, oh, my God, he's having a heart attack. He's running for the ambulance. And then he stopped and he, you know, adjusted his headphones because I got him an iPod with uh, John Philip Sousa marches. My dad was Navy, so he likes to hear the military music. And he starts walking again. And I'm like, well, I'll be damned. And Linda, I went up to my dad and I said, Dad, what were you doing? And he's like, you know what? I felt so good good. I thought I'd run and just see if I could run. And I said, when was the last time you ran? And he thought about it and he said, it's got to be, I don't know, 55 years. He said, probably when I was in college, you know, playing baseball or, you know, he also uh, played football in high school. He said, other than maybe chasing you kids when you were little, I don't, I don't remember any of that. And the fact that we could change an 80-year-old's physiology almost completely in five months, somebody who has cancer, somebody who has prostate cancer, and change him through meditation, yoga, nutrition, and exercise is just... Uh, Linda, I, I've been jazzed all week. I, I couldn't believe my eyes. No, I mean, there's there's tons of studies on, on things just like that. Um, and they say you're never too old to... Start exercising because your body will adapt. Um, your body will adapt quickly. I mean, sometimes you hear about people that didn't start to do running until they were, you know, seventy-five or eighty, and they're and they and they beat the twenty-three-year-old. So it's 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 it is amazing. Um, but we what we put in uh, our bodies is just so very very important. It's so very important. You know, we, I was reading an article about chemotherapy and, you know, they were talking about chemotherapy being the addition to, of chemicals into our diet. And all I could think of, Linda, was, oh my God, I said, chemotherapy, we have that every day when we eat foods that have preservatives and pesticides and, you know, all these other chemicals in our body. So, you know, why is it such a radical idea that we would have chemotherapy with the use of our, um, fresh fruits and vegetables and our limiting, you know, of of non-organic or genetically modified foods. I mean, why is that a radical idea and, you know, taking chemicals is not? Well, you know, I, it, the, the interesting part will be when he when he goes back home to see if he continues that regimen because it is a little more challenging to eat like that. When it is, you're making it is. it yourself and buying yourself. Because most men um, don't look at the, the, I know my husband, he'll go to the, to the supermarket and he'll bring home things that I end up taking back because he doesn't, he doesn't look at the labels. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, Linda. I mean, it's going to be interesting because, you know, there were chips in our house this weekend, which normally they aren't because I had a bunch of kids over to watch the Frozen movie. And I had bought, you know, and I buy fruits and snacks and stuff like that. But, you know, every once in a while, my kids will say, Mom, will you get a bag of chips? Because, you know, chips and soda are not a staple in our house like they are in many households. When I go into the lunchroom and I see the kids, they bring this bag of chips every day. And, you know, I wasn't raised on that stuff. I'm sure you weren't either. So it's no big deal for me to not have it in the house but it's interesting because my dad being you know my dad will not acknowledge that these changes are because of his lifestyle changes in health and fitness and nutrition but he will not he said to me he goes I'm not going to say that you know this is definitely because of it he goes but I'm definitely not going to say it's not so uh, yeah I'm going to be interested what to did see he what think he it does. was a miracle well, that's what I said. What else could it be? And he said, you know, you're right. He's like, the only thing I've changed is the amount of physical exercise I get. And he gets very gentle physical exercise, walking or swimming. You know, yeah. nothing nothing Absolutely. crazy. No, it's it's terrific. It's it's uh it's it's a it's a great thing. And now that we're heading into spring and summer, um I you know, you you get you're outside more, you get more exercise and um he's gonna be fit and ready for it. Yeah, and he doesn't walk like an old man. And, you know, I will tell you, uh, when I had lunch with my agent, and my agent is 81, um, and I had lunch with him in Beverly Hills about a year ago with his twin, his identical twin. And his identical twin was a heavy meat eater, a heavy smoker, a heavy drinker, a heavy, you know, eater. And, you know, my agent wasn't, and my agent was a vegetarian, and he did yoga, and they looked like 20 years apart they look like different human beings and I will tell you when my dad got here he walked like an old man you know he had to hold the railing to get up the stairs and he he had balance problems and his hips were stiff and I'll tell you after the yoga and the walking he bends over he he doesn't you know it's like all that stuff is erased um, if he if he uh, really wants to continue, he should join a a gym and do a few you know some of the exercises there or a yoga class or something when he goes home, so that he will continue on the regimen. Let me tell you now that I can hear myself. Oh, good. Um, about the about the tickets. The the strange thing about this t- these tickets were um, there was two prizes and one was a model airplane because it was all about you know it's all aviation, and then it was the grand prize of these two first class tickets on anywhere that Alaska Air flies. And I just, I was sitting on my chair and I said to my, I, I just closed my eyes for a second. I said, they're going to call my name. <gasps> and then I heard my name and I almost fell off my seat. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I walked up to the, they had like a little podium thing there where he was speaking and I, and I climbed up because then they had to do pictures and everything. I just, I mean, I was like in La La Land because I, I just couldn't believe it because that never happened to me before. Especially wow. when, I mean, they're going to call my name and they did. I mean, I was, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. It was like the craziest thing. That is amazing. So you had a premonition right before. Yeah, right before, um, I, yeah, right before. And it's not like I win things off. I just, you know, I never have won anything before ever. And um, this was, yeah, it was, it was, it was a hoot. I'll, I'll tell you, I was very, I was, I was overwhelmed. I came home and told my husband, I said, start packing. <laughs> now we just have to decide, you know, where we're going to go. And oh. then, of course, then I have the problem, okay, what do I do with my baby Lucy? <laughs> oh, you know what? You can fly with her and leave her with me, and then you can go to Hawaii, and then come back and pick her up knowing that she's perfectly taken care of. <laughs> 
Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I, you know, I, I'm going to test it out, uh, I think, next week because I'm doing a Passover Seder, and I thought it would be a lot easier if Lucy wasn't here, so I'm going to put her in a hotel for the night just to see how she makes out. It's, a, it's an entree into hotels. Oh, she's going to love it. She's going to be the most spoiled pooch there is going. And she, you know she's going to go first class on American Airlines. I'm just going to buzz in right now. Well, i got to take us to commercial break. My name is Sandra Beck. I'm here with Linda Franklin. And our guest coming up is Wendy Dotson. And she is part of a group called Midwives for Haiti. She owns her own midwife company. And we're going to talk about that because being a midwife came up as one of the popular choices for second half at life careers. So when we come back... Back from the break, you're not going to want to miss this. With Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. We often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. kids do you think you're creative do you want to be don't have enough time for your arts crafts and hobbies or do you just need a kick in the pants hi i'm mark lipinski the host of creative mojo with mark lipinski right here on toginet radio come on and join me every wednesday afternoon for some creative inspiration and two of the fastest fun-filled hours of your week hey need ideas how about a little motivation and a lot of inspiration Join the fun on Creative Mojo with me, Mark Lipinski. I'm here live every Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern, 1 Pacific, right here on toginet.com. Now what are you waiting for? Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Linda Franklin and this is Powered Up Talk Radio and from coast to coast we've got you covered with the latest happenings and everything to do with money, sex, beauty, love, health and today we're going to talk about one of the careers that has become more popular over the years as a second life career and what those are are we make a lot of money and we get ourselves all set up and we hit 40 or 50 and then 
we turn around and decide we don't want to do what we're doing for our life and we create a second career for ourselves. So we are going to welcome on the show today um, Wendy Dotson and she owns a midwife company and she volunteers for Midwives for Haiti. So I'm really excited to have her on the air with us today. Wendy, are you with us? I am, Sandra. Hi. Hi, hi. So I got to ask you, did you always want to be a midwife? Did you choose being a midwife in your younger years? Or was this something that you created later in life for your own personal satisfaction? I became a midwife pretty young. I was 27 when I first delivered a baby, I think, or first attended a birth. But I didn't know that I wanted to be a midwife, although I think in my heart I did want to be one, but I didn't know about it. I didn't know what a midwife was. You know, in 19... 19- you know, 1950s and 60s, that wasn't a, that wasn't a career choice we talked about in, in, in school. So I actually um, got familiar with biology and blood and guts and all that, you know, life sciences by uh, working with animals. I worked for animal shelters. I worked for veterinarians. I became a veterinary technician. I went to, I went to Penn State to be a vet, although I didn't go all the way through the program. I went on ahead and became a technical that technician, but all of it was an infatuation with life and, you know, um, being right in the heart of it. Wendy, just so our, this is Linda, just so our uh, listeners know, what credentials do do you need to be a midwife? It depends on where you are and what type of midwife credential you want to have. Uh, I am now a certified nurse midwife, and that's the kind of midwife that is um, medically accepted and able to work in hospitals, homes, or birth centers all in all 50 states. So that's the type of nurse midwife. I'm a certified nurse midwife, and that type of midwife has, you know, a little bit more of a niche in the medical community. But there are other types of midwives that also are now credentialed by many states. Um, the main other credential is called the certified professional midwife. And the difference is that they don't use, they don't deliver in hospitals. They they definitely attend births in homes, and in fact, it's the only credential that requires home birth experience to get that credential. And they they're uh, trained instead of a university format necessarily. Many of those folks, uh, many CPMs have university background, but that's not the requirement for their credential. It's more um, apprenticeship and passing a, an exam or several exams that that show what your skill level is and what your knowledge basis. But do they have any practical experience of delivering babies before they can go out and say that, yes, I'm a midwife? Yeah, they have to pass exams and they have to pass apprenticeships and be signed off by preceptors, all of that. And then there's other people who practice as midwives that that may not have those credentials and it depends on what state you're in, what the requirements are. Most states have some requirements now for licensure where you... Back in the day, you could just say, I'm a midwife, and show up at the health department, and they would give you some birth certificates, but that's not that's not the way it is in most places now. Why, why would somebody choose a midwife, uh, Wendy? I know a lot of us have heard the term. There's a couple movies out there, but what would be some of the criteria that someone would choose a midwife? And does choosing a midwife mean that you don't have a doctor present or a nurse present or a medical presence? And I don't, wanna, I don't mean that to sound insulting that a midwife isn't medical, um, but that's what I hear. You know, when I was researching for our radio show today, that was some of the concerns that came up from our listeners who said, me in some questions. Right, right. 
Well, it depends. Again, a lot of it is a lot of this is the the it depends answer. You know, it depends on what type of midwife. It depends on where you are. But so I'm going to just talk about my profession. If that's if I can kind of narrow yes, the scope, would that be okay? Yes. Yeah. Please. So if you're a certified nurse midwife, you've already had a degree in nursing. Usually, it's a bachelor's degree. Then you've worked as a nurse in the maternal health field most of the time in labor and delivery and maybe postpartum and maybe newborn nursery. And then you go to graduate school, and most nurse midwives today get um, a master's degree and sometimes a doctorate. And then and we have to do even more deliveries and more clinical time. And in many states, we're licensed as nurse practitioners. So it's sort of a, an advanced practice nursing degree. And so then if you're a certified nurse midwife, you can apply for privileges in hospitals. You can get prescriptive authority to write prescriptions. I have a DEA number, and I am qualified to give entire comprehensive prenatal care to healthy women. So I wouldn't take someone who needs surgery um, or who's having a complicated pregnancy if they're having twins or if they're diabetic or if they already have blood pressure problems. I would not take that that client. But a nurse midwife is, is qualified to give comprehensive prenatal care, attend the delivery in whatever setting, the hospital or a birth center if she works in a birth center or even in a home if she has a home birth practice, and then to do the pre the postpartum follow-up and the GYN follow-up. So we can even do her annual pap smear and uh, uh, family planning if she wants that. So a certified nurse midwife is, instead of a doctor in most cases, unless things get complicated, but we always have a collaborative relationship with a physician if needed, and that's part of our job, too, is to, to know what's normal and what's not normal. Well, and that's, a you know, what it sounds like, you know, I always thought a midwife was just somebody who kind of came in the door with her pots and pans and a couple of rags and said, okay, it's baby time. But what I'm learning today on the air is that you're like a combination of a, a nurse, a doctor, an OBGYN, um, you know, the, all those skill sets that we need, those little, you know, those little compartments that we need from each of those different specialties wrapped up in this like beautiful birth package. Well, thank you for saying that. That's, that's a lovely description, uh, although I with great, um, I really greatly honor my OBGYN colleagues and don't feel that I replaced them because when I have a patient who's sick or needs surgery, I am so grateful to have really good relationships with, with physicians who help us. Um, and I don't think I'm a replacement for them, but I do think that a healthy woman who's having an uncomplicated pregnancy and a normal birth doesn't necessarily need a doctor. And that's where I'm qualified to take care of those people. And, and women really love the experience because, as you say, we, we bring a lot of different talents to that situation. We, we do a lot of labor sitting and labor support, lots of hands-on, lots of personal connecting with the woman, um, a lot of letting the woman direct what she wants. For example, we, we're kind of known for being able to deliver a baby in whatever position. If a lady doesn't want to get in the bed and wants to you know, stand up, that's fine. I know how to do that. Um, if she wants to flip on her hands and knees to get her baby out, that's okay. We we know how to do that. So um, there's a little there's differences, but um, no no uh, no slight on our physician colleagues. You know. Would you say that most of the births that you attend to are done in a hospital, but you're facilitating, or are they at home and you're you're doing the whole thing on your own? Well, right now, I, I, I have lived in all of those worlds. I have delivered babies in homes and in hospitals and in birth centers. And right now, I have had, for the last 15 years, I have been practicing in a hospital. And that's the only place that my group, uh, I'm, I'm with a group of six full-time midwives. And 
we deliver only in a hospital. We're building a birth center on the grounds of the hospital, which is very exciting. But um, the reason we're in a hospital is because we we figured out a few you know years back that women already had you know the ones who wanted to have home birth had a nice home birth practice in this area that was taking care of those mamas, and um, the people who wanted doctors were happy in the hospitals with the with the buildings that they had available. But the women who wanted both natural childbirth or to try natural childbirth, and yet they also wanted to be in the hospital, they weren't getting, you know, the option of nurse midwifery care in a hospital. So that's what we offer. And it has been really popular. Women love the fact that they're going to have a midwife care for them through their pregnancy. They're going to go into labor and go to the hospital and meet us at the hospital. A lot of our moms come to us because they would like to have a a birth that's, you know, low intervention. A lot of people want to try natural childbirth. A lot of people succeed because we support them. But if they get to the hospital and things are complicated or if they get to the hospital and say, whoa, this labor is not what I planned, they can have an epidural. They can have pain management. And, um, and they, you know, so a lot of women like that, those options offered to them. Well, and it sounds like you'd have an advocate. You know, I had an emergency birth for my first child, and I had, because I was so high risk after the complications of my first birth, I had to go high risk uh, birth, you know, my second. So a midwife wasn't an option. Um, but it sounds like you'd have this great advocate. So instead of you suffering, and like, you know, people didn't know I was in back labor with my first baby until some old Russian nurse came in and yelled at all the younger nurses, she's in back labor. <laughs> you know. <laughs> So it would have been nice to have somebody who knew what the hell was going on, you know, um, with the whole birth process because the nurses are busy kind of going in and out and taking their measurements and hooking you up to all these sort of things. And that's no disrespect for the nurses and the doctors. Everybody has their role to play. But it sounds like a midwife could be like a birth advocate, somebody that could come in and interface with the doctors and nurses on your behalf. And we've got maybe two minutes before break, so I just would like your your comment on that, and then we'll continue after the break. Oh, I think having labor support from a midwife is a huge uh, asset to the care that we give, and that's why a lot of women come to us. They just want to know, will you be there when I'm in labor? They just want to know, and they also want to know that we know them, that we've met, we've talked. We're not somebody picking up from another practice coming in to just, you know, fill in for a few hours, <laughs> but we actually know the mom, you know. Well, and that's really important, I think, that knowledge, um, you know, because I look at my girlfriends and I, we all had babies at the same time, and I will be honest, like, one of my girlfriends was the biggest, like, goofball in the world when it came to pain. You could just poke her with your little finger and she'd shriek, but then I had my stoic German friend who, like, you could club her to death and she still wouldn't ask for pain medication, so I think there's a huge variance in, in people in general, and I think you know, if somebody knew me, I think having a midwife would have been a great, great, um, a great, great thing to have during my birth. And I love that we're talking about this today on Powered Up Talk Radio. My name is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin. And our guest today is Wendy Dotson of Loudoun Community Midwives. She's also a volunteer for Midwives for Haiti. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk more about midwives as a choice, midwives as a second career, midwives as a volunteer opportunity. So there's lots of things to talk about as I researched midwives and found that they are a popular second career choice, a labor of love, if you will. When we come back from the break, we're going to learn more about Wedney Dodson and her midwife practice. (laughs) 
we've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. This is for all you girls about 42. Time and change are accelerating, making it increasingly difficult to gracefully go with the flow. Women Change the World presents conversations with featured guests about changes in their lives and how that change has created new and positive opportunities. Women Change the World with your host, Dr. Beth Golden, Thursdays at 7 p.m. Central here on toginet.com. We all know that change can knock you off course, and Dr. Beth's show and practices focus on revealing everything that's right with you. This information will help you make choices that align your true nature and set you along your path of least resistance. As Dr. Beth says, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. For more on Dr. Beth and her show, go to drbethgolden.com. That's drbethgolden.com. Women change the world with your host, Dr. Beth Golden, Thursdays at 7 p.m. Central, here on toginet.com. Martha Sanchez, the host of the Mobby to Mobile radio show, empowering women to build a successful business, invites you to join her on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Rockstar Radio Network. At the ripe age of five, she was already interpreting information in documents and instructions on forms for her immigrant parents. Now, through her experience and those of her guests, she provides you with valuable steps to empower you to reach financial independence. Martha A. Sanchez is a registered nurse with a Bachelor in Nursing and Masters of Business Administration. She's a business coach, speaker, author, and CEO of Moss International, LLC. Her diverse work experience brings you expertise in areas essential to customer service, social media, and budgeting. The Mommy to Mogul Radio Show furthers her personal mission of empowering women to help them build successful businesses so they can reach financial independence. Join Martha Sanchez, the host of the Mommy to Mogul Radio Show, Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Rockstar Radio Network. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. This is for all you girls about 42. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and this is Powered Up Talk Radio, and we are about halfway through our show today. It's going fast. For those of you that missed the first half of the show, I invite you to check us out on iTunes. You can find us at Powered Up Talk Radio. You can go to the top by the same name, PoweredUpTalkRadio.com, and find two seasons of informative, interesting, insightful, and exciting conversations with me and Linda about a wide variety of topics that relate to the women 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond. Linda, I'm going to expand our market because I think some of the topics we cover are great for what I wish I knew I was when I was in my 20s. <laughs> yes, if we knew in our 20s uh, what we know now, uh, it would have been a very different ride. But I don't, I don't think we would have wanted to because life is an experience and we learn from, from, our, from our experiences and what we've done and our mistakes, and it makes us the people we are as we get older. So every day is a new challenge and a new excitement. I love that. You always have such a great way of putting things like when I get sad or depressed or it's my own personal therapy hour on the air. <laughs> You always come back with something great. 
Well, you so, know, I, I, you know, midwife. I mean, I've never had children, so I, um, I didn't have to make those choices. But I think if I had and I had known about this, I probably would go that route of of having someone be there for my pregnancy and delivery and, and afterwards because I think it must have to be a very scary proposition for women to have children. I think so. This thing's going to come shooting out of you in intense pain. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then, yeah. It's and scary. Then, and then what do you do, you know, and then, then he's there or she's there and say, oh, my God, what now? <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a pretty occasion, and I feel really lucky to get to partake in it. <laughs> yeah. Wendy, how many babies have you delivered? Do you keep track like on they did in the you know in World War II on the side of airplanes? Oh no, I, I I've been a midwife since nineteen eighty one, so you know I'm too old for that. Um, I oh, way way over a thousand, you know, somewhere between a thousand and two thousand. Wow. Yeah, so you know you can't after a while you don't you don't count after that. I, I just know that in our at our hospital we each deliver about a hundred babies a year, and. Um, I've been there 15 years, and I was a midwife before I came there. <laughs> so that's the best, you know, if you do the math 15 times um, or 14 times 100 plus. I did home births and birth center births before that. So, yeah, a lot. Is every birth different, or does it get routine after a point? I just had to ask that because, you know, my births were so completely different. One, I was, you know, scared out of my wits. The other one, I was drugged out of my mind. So, yeah, they were kind of, you know, more different. Are they, do they kind of run the same, or is it, is, or is it every day a new challenge? Yes and yes. What I would say, and when people ask me that, I say, you know, each person's unique. So, of course, every birth is different and special. But, of course, I do normal births. I if things are high risk, they get, you know, they go into doctor care. And I stay a little with my mamas, but I don't um, perform the delivery of a high-risk person. But um, what I do say is mid-birth is the same. Birth happens the same way for most women. And so um, when I see women in the office who had a, one baby with me or two babies or even three, or I meet somebody in, you know, in the grocery store, and they say, oh, I remember you with my baby, and I remember their face. And usually their name, too. And I'll say, oh, good, how are you doing? It's good to see you. And I know the woman, I know her face, but she says, and remember, in my birth, you know, you said this, you said, you know, get on your left side or something like that. And, and, I, and then they laugh because they're like, oh, you do so many babies, you know, how can you remember the details? And what I tell them is, you don't want me to remember your birth. You don't want me to remember the details of your birth because if it's, um, if it's something crazy happened, that's the one I remember, you know, the, the tough things, the scary stuff, the, the complicated deliveries. That don't happen very often. When they do, those are memorable. Um, somebody who goes into labor and has a normal labor and a normal delivery, I just remember, oh, yeah, she had a baby. It was nice. But I don't remember any um, any details. Like, she was the lady who, like, caught water on her back, you know? <laughs> or the lady who had, like, three babies came out and, you know, you only thought there was one. I've never had that happen, and I hope I never do. Yeah. <laughs> But those kinds of things, those crazy deliveries that, you know, things go go wonky, then you don't forget those. When someone um, uses you, uh, you know, from pregnancy to birth and beyond, um, how does having you in the mix um, with the with the mama to be affect the papa to be? Is it more? Does it get more intimate? Does he get more involved? Does he get less scared? <laughs> Just having you there to comfort him. I, you know, a lot of guys say that it does make them less scared because their wife feels more supported and more um, often feels more supported and more 
nurtured. And so it puts a little less pressure on the dad, just like having a doula at the birth. And that's sort of just a, a person who's there for emotional and physical support, but not medical, you know. But having labor support really does take a lot of weight off of a dad. Um, it kind of depends on the guy how much support he needs from us. I'd say first-time dads certainly need more than, you know, the guy who's seen his other two kids born and he knows how this goes, you know. Right. Are all, are um, all dads in the delivery room these days or, or the place very, where the baby's being born? <laughs> yeah, it's very rare that they uh, don't come. Every once in a great while I have a couple who she says, nope, he's not coming in. And, you know, that's that's great. It's really their, it's their, it's their thing. Have um, you ever had one pass out? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hit the deck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love that you bring that up, Linda, you know, because that's all about, like, you know, we advocate here on Powered Up Talk Radio, Wendy, you know, that knowledge is power. And, you know, we want to, you know, bring the best experiences that people have to offer so that we can make, you know, our, the best possible choices for ourselves. And if you know your ex-husband or your husband or the baby's father, like in my case, it was the ex-husband, he was not supportive. He was not good in a crisis he didn't like blood you know I could give you a list of reasons you know and instead of fighting with him about you need to be my support because you're the father of this baby versus going well I can hire that support and bring this person (laughs) in you know you recognize what the needs are in the relationship and I would think that you know with a lot of these husbands like I live in an engineering military community and there's a lot a lot of them that aren't real excited about watching the baby being born or being that support arm for their wife, it would almost be a relief for some of these husbands. Do you see that? Oh, yeah. And it's no, there's no almost about it. A lot of dads love the fact that they're there for one thing. They're there to be a dad uh, and to be with her, but not necessarily so, you know, they're not, a lot of guys are not great caregivers. A lot of them are, but, you know, especially your military guys, they're, they're leaders, they're, they're soldiers. They're not necessarily great at, um, you know, nurturing and helping somebody when they throw up, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> So if if I do my job and he does his, then it's, they love the the fact that it it takes some pressure off of them at things they're not necessarily good at. You know, with your charitable organization, you know, delivering babies in in Haiti. Now that's got to be a very different experience than ha- than delivering a baby in the in the United States. Oh, no kidding! Just crazy, crazy different. <laughs> you know, because it's a really undeveloped. Um, the, the healthcare system is very undeveloped in Haiti. Um, they have hospitals, but they're very poorly supplied, and it's a whole different situation. So it's a it's a really desperate situation in Haiti. And so, yep, very different. And plus, the county I live in is one of the wealthiest counties in America. So our hospitals are beautiful, <laughs> and um, not so much in Haiti. So, so you're when you're when you're there, you're just helping out delivering the babies. You know, I don't do many deliveries because I'm teaching Haitian women how to be midwives. Oh. So I'm there as a, I'm there as a teacher. Um, the, this nonprofit I work with is called Midwives for Haiti, um, and it is a bunch of uh, certified professional midwives, certified nurse midwives, and obstetricians, and even family practice doctors. Who, but mostly, mostly midwives uh, who are you know practicing um, with tra- they're trained in practicing in the U.S. And we go as um, just faculty that help train the Haitian midwives. Um, we support a program that has Haitian books and ha- books in Haitian Creole and um, Haitian teachers. So that there's a program that we've collaborated with Haitian people to build so that, and the whole purpose is because Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. 
and they have the highest maternal mortality rate. More mothers die in childbirth in Haiti than anywhere else in the Western Hemisphere. That's South America, Central America, um, and, you know, the whole Western Hemisphere. And the way we're trying to stop moms from dying is by training midwives. Um, it's kind of, or, you know, you hear so many, who doesn't know somebody who works in an orphanage in Haiti, right? There are so many orphanages because, guess why? Because moms die. So we're not trying to build orphanages. We're trying to prevent orphans. What's the main reason these women are dying? Is it is it the lack of sanitary conditions or tro- problem pregnancies that nobody diagnoses before the actual birth? That's another one that's a yes and a yes. It's it's the entire situation in Haiti. Women um, women die from lack of prenatal care, from poor nutrition from um, sanitation problems, from all of those, from infectious disease, um, and all of those things combining to, to ha- cause them to have a problem pregnancy and a dangerous delivery. And most of those moms don't deliver in a hospital with any kind of trained care provider. Most women in Haiti deliver with no trained person present in their little home that usually does not have water, oh, running water, or, or electricity. So Horrifying. That, yeah. So it's hard to survive that, you know. It's it's a it's a crazy high number of moms who don't survive pregnancy and birth in Haiti. Well, it's amazing that the babies survive and the moms don't. Yeah, sometimes uh, many babies die too. But um, you know, the problem is with a mama dying is that usually more than one child is orphaned. You know, so you can Mm. one mother death can create a lot of orphans. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, Wendy, we have about two minutes to the end of the segment here. I'd like you to give people the opportunity to learn more about Midwives for Haiti. Can you talk a little bit about where they can go and how they can contact and how they can help? Absolutely. Uh, there's a great website called midwivesforhaiti.org. And that is, um, it's got a beautiful website. I'm looking at it right now. And you can donate. You can read all about the mission and what they do. Um People who can volunteer, you can find out what's an appropriate uh, volunteer. So, you know, there are certain people that can be helpful or some people that would be more helpful by donating. Um, but you can read all about it on midwifesforhaiti.org. And also, if you want to read it from a personal angle, I write a blog about it when I'm there, and it's called Haiti Babies at blogspot.com. So anybody could Google Haiti Babies and see that as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Wendy Dotson of Loudoun Community Midwives for being our guest today. You've you've cleared up a lot of misconceptions, I think, about the midwifery occupation. And when we uh, come back from the break, we are going to visit with intimacy expert Michael Russer, and we're going to talk about Section 3 of our year-long plan of creating better intimacy between you and your partner for 2014. Those websites, again, were midwives for Haiti.com and HaitiBabies.blogspot.com. Oh, .org. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'll, I'll do okay. it after the break. Have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Then join us for Sex Talk with Lou with your host, Lou Paget on TogiNet Wednesday nights, 9, 8 central. Do you want to recreate a truly connected relationship or wonder, how do I tell my kids about things? 
Join Lou Paget, one of the world's best-selling authors in the field of sexuality, a certified sex educator and sought-after expert for all media and her renowned expert guests as they discuss anything and everything about sex that impacts our lives and our families' lives. For more on Lou, check out her website, loupaget.com. This is the show where the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health can finally give you the answer to that question. Join us for Sex Talk with Lou with your host, Lou Paget, Wednesday nights at 9, 8 central on toginet.com. Finally, a show that supports women who are in the midst of a transition in midlife. The show is Second Wind. Here's what certified coach, author, and host of Second Wind, Joyce Buford, wants you to know. It's so empowering for women to hear about other women and their accomplishments. We all need cheerleaders, someone who's on our side. Second Wind is that program to help women connect with other women, hear other women's stories. In a stressful world. Find power in those stories. Learn to discover your passions and joys again. Create the life you want to live to the fullest. Join us for Second Wind with Joyce Buford, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Central, right here on the Toginet Radio Network. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and we were just visiting with Wendy Dotson of Loudoun Community Midwives. And the website that we were talking about, Linda, I blew it. It's uh, haitybabies.blogspot.com, and then it's midwivesforhaiti.org. I thought that was a pretty interesting uh, – I knew, I didn't know half of that stuff about midwives. How about you? Uh, well, you know, again, when it wasn't personal for me, I, I didn't know anything about it. But uh, as I said, if I if I was having a baby, or I, I certainly would want to take advantage of that. I think uh, having that support is terrific, especially when you, I never have a baby outside of a hospital. But if you can be in the hospital, so you know if something does go wrong unexpectedly, there's you you can be treated properly. But to have you know, to have the experience of having them be your advocate there, I think it's wonderful. I do too. And I, I love that it's an opportunity also for women. You know, I thought it was a neat second career choice. I was really surprised to see that on the list of popular second careers. Right. And that and the stories of the women in Haiti, um, that's that's horrifying. Not, that is. Not, not not shocking because I think, you know, but horrifying that, that in this, in this world things like that still go on and that's just one country where it does absolutely absolutely um well we're going to lighten things up a little bit and we're going to talk to michael russer about intimacy and today's topic we're going to kind of go along the baby route and and uh talk about couples that are very very busy couples and the specific intimacy challenges they face and this is part of our 12 part intimacy series with michael russer of hardlybroken.com michael it's nice to have you back well, thank you. It's awesome to be back. Uh, it sounded like it was quite a, an earlier segment there. 
It was. It was. It was quite eye-opening. Um, you know, we try to raise awareness on our show, and uh, we raised a lot of awareness about choosing a midwife. Now, once the baby is here, and you've got two couples working, and things are very busy, it's really, really difficult. I can tell you from my own experience to sustain intimacy and to grow an intimate relationship. How did you find that in your relationship, Michael, uh, with respect to your children? Oh, boy, that's a good one. You know, everything was wonderful after we got married and we we started and built a company together, and it was great. But then we had kids. Now, not (laughs) to blame the kids, but that just threw a huge monkey wrench into the intimacy works, uh, as it were, and everything changed. And uh, over the years, it just kept getting worse and worse. And you know the story. I ended up ending a 28-year marriage. And I take full responsibility of that. But the cracks started after we had kids. And it didn't have to be that way, Sandra. Michael, um, when Pete, when Isaac, no, I haven't had children, so I, I can't relate to it personally. But is it that the moms become, forget the time uh, issue, which is, you know, do the moms become more moms than wives? And do the and do the husbands then see them as moms and not as uh, sexual beings anymore? Linda, you're close. What I can only speak for what happened to me, but I suspect it's fairly common in most marriages. And what happens is this: is that in any relationship, you're going to start having little cuts, little you know hurts and things that where we kind of put up our little you know defenses and that sort of thing. Well, it becomes exacerbated when you start having kids, because it is so socially sanctioned and as, as it should be for the focus to be on kids. But the trap here. And this is the trap I fell into, is that the kids become the sole focus and we forget about how they came to be in the first place. The, the sanctity of that union that was, you know, was so important to, to, uh, to, to create these kids. And so unfortunately, what happens is, is to a form of shutdown can be where the focus goes on the kids and not on the couple that created them. And that's where it starts. Well, and Michael, what I think of it as, you know, and, you know, like you, I left a long-term marriage, you know, I left a 10-year marriage, you know, and I had two little, you know, I had a toddler and an infant at the time when I ended my marriage. What I think happens also uh, is that it's a little bit like water that that pours into the cracks in the sidewalk. Like, you know, a lot of the times the cracks are there, but we don't really see them until the ice freezes and expands and makes that crack bigger. So, you know, I can look back in my marriage and go, you know, there were cracks, there were cracks there. And then the kids just came and busted them wide open. (laughs) That's a great analogy. Yeah. Yeah. And, And especially, you know, once you get into the soccer mom age, you know, where, you know, then you're running them around every place, and and uh, it it really became um, quite something. Uh, it, it, at one point, uh, we actually had a marriage counselor, and she came in and she had my wife write down on a whiteboard everything she did during the day. What was her primary focus during a typical day? And then when she was done, the <laughs> the marriage counselor looked up at at the board, looked at her, then looked at me, and she says, "Where's Michael?" And my wife just shrugged her shoulders. You know, it was all kids, and uh, that was it. And so, uh, yeah, it, it, it definitely can exacerbate things, but it doesn't have to be that way. And what's so unfortunate is that 
as a couple, we really need to demonstrate um, what intimacy is about so that our kids end up growing up having very, uh, well, very healthy views of what it's like to be intimate from an emotional standpoint, emotional intimacy, because that's usually what goes first. And then, of course, little, little you know, uh, uh, public affections that kind of give an indication of what physical intimacy can start like. I mean, I, I know you're not a doctor, and neither am I, but why do you think after having babies that women don't want to have sex as much? Is, is it just well, the time <laughs> thing, or, or they just see themselves differently? Yeah, I, I think there's some of both there. And uh, also, you know, after you have children, your body changes. And uh, a lot of women become very self-conscious about the changes to their body. And, and if the husband is insensitive about that, uh, then, yeah, that can cause additional friction. I, I, I was on uh, Blythe Lippman's show, Baby Toddler Instructions. Now, for what I talk about and that show, you'd think, oh, how is that even possible? But in the end, she asked me, Michael, what, what do you say to the, to the husband when, when he's, you know, he's got that look and his, his wife and mother, their two young kids, are looking like, don't even think about it, buddy. And, so, <laughs> and I said, the best advice I can give is to um, control that urge, give her a massage, get her a glass of wine, uh, just rub her and, and, and cuddle with her and don't expect anything more. Uh, just build the build. Start slowly building that emotional intimacy back up. And it was funny because at the end, when I said that, Blight started applauding online. Uh, I thought it was hilarious. Oh, and I bet her her lines lit up because I can tell you, I can make it real simple for everybody here because, you know, I know exactly what that feels like, and it's it's a very very simple formula. I'm going to give it to every man out there. No help equals no sex. Help equals sex. It's really that simple. When you are up all night diapering and cooking and cleaning and feeding and it's never ending, you know, it's like the equivalent of some man getting an extra job to do on the side with everything else he has to do. That's exactly what it feels like when a kid comes into the mix as a woman. And if you want me to feel receptive to you, if you want me to love you, then you get up in the middle of the night and you burp that kid and you put the diaper on him and you let me sleep. And I promise you, you will not regret it. Right. Exactly. You will be, you, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And, and, you have to like build back that emotional intimacy that can can be lost on the wayside in the the flurry of uh, poopy diapers and crying and taking kids to the doctor and everything else, and and it doesn't sound very romantic, but it can be, and it's really it is uh, it is incumbent upon the husband, and I'll say this right now, it is incumbent upon them to become very cognizant and aware of their wife and now mother's need uh, and when it comes to intimacy because they hey it's not like they don't want to have it but their approach better be different than it was in the past because you don't the last thing you want the wife to feel is like she has to do her quote unquote wifely duty and well yeah because the guy goes Michael the guy goes to work and he comes home and his job ends moms whether they're stay at home moms full time moms or working moms 
their job never ends. It it goes at, you know, 7 o'clock when the kid pukes. It goes at 10 o'clock when somebody has a meltdown. They can't find their, you know, homework for the next day. And then you got, you know, the new baby, you know, up at 2 o'clock in the morning wanting to eat from your already exhausted body. There are so many more demands on the mother than the father. And I'm sorry, go ahead and send me hate mail, every man out there. But the babies need the mom. The kids need the mom more than they need the dad, especially in the younger years. That's right. Now, Linda, aren't you? Don't you feel like you missed something there without having kids? After all that? <laughs> no, not really. Although now that I never had kids, I wouldn't mind having a thirty-five-year-old around. But you know, I wouldn't have wanted to experience the first thirty-five. You have me. You don't need one. You have me. I have to come to you all the time, Linda, for parenting. That's okay. You know that. <laughs> I, you know, it just seems to me, um, just from looking at it from the outside, that when when these problems arise, and they arise right at the beginning, I would say after the baby comes, that you have to communicate, you have to talk, you have to verbalize of what you're feeling, and, and come up with some way to, you know, sort of appease each other. I think the longer that you let it go without talking about it, without communicating, then it, you know, then it comes almost irreparable because... You know, it just it's it's just the way you're living now. Yeah, it leads to shutdown, and and the um, the focus of the shutdown, or, or I should say, the the bounce back from the shutdown is let's focus on the kids. I'm just going to focus on the kids. You know, the hell with yeah. him. And and, uh, and 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 then the man's feeling, God, I'm just a I'm just a beast of burden. I'm just here to to earn the money so that the family can can uh, run. And then tremendous resentment builds on both sides, and that communication is critical. Yeah, you guys are, as always, our segment went super fast. We are with Michael Russer of HardlyBroken.com. This is section three of our year-long segments on intimacy building. We also visited with Wendy Dodson of Loudoun Community Midwives, and you can find her at uh, midwivesforhaiti.org and haitybabies.blogspot.com. And uh, we thank you for being with us today, and we will be back next week with lots of Powered Up talk radio programs. My name is Sandra Beck. For Linda Franklin, Michael Russer, Wendy Dodson, we encourage everybody out there to communicate, talk about it, do whatever you have to do to make your life a better place. That's all about being powered up. We're so glad you joined us for Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, Los Angeles-based single mother and technology company owner, knows what it's like to be fit, funny, and fantastic in your 40s. Linda Franklin, a New Yorker with a successful marriage 